Hello, audio-only listener. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. This is a recording of a live podcast episode that aired live on YouTube. We usually go live at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesdays. That being said, we may be making references to things that can only be seen on screen. Don't worry, you're not going to miss out on any information because of this. Just some things may not make sense because we're making a reference to something that is on screen. And with that out of the way, thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. Good evening and welcome to another, to actually rather, I guess technically the first episode of Better Call Paul. Construction <laughs> <laughs> episode doesn't count, I guess, usually. I don't know. I, I don't know. I would count it. Whatever. We're counting it. Um, <laughs> no, we're not counting it. This is the first episode. <laughs> Fine. So uh, welcome. Welcome to uh, the first episode, first official episode with the introduction out of the way of Better Call Paul. A new series that we're working on here at Alternate Media. Um, it is not technically a Killing the Church episode, um, but I guess it's kind of taken the time slot uh, where we go through some uh, topics and uh, things that Paul uh, talks about and and uh, common misconceptions about those things uh, from a much more credible historical standpoint and clear some of the air on some of these things. So today we're talking about a banana phone. <laughs> today we're talking about uh conversion uh, and actually the title is a little bit misleading because we're really specifically talking about circumcision i guess um but there's a reason we chose conversion because that, that's actually what we're going to be talking about more or less uh moving forward here in the episode so before we uh get too far ahead of ourselves what are you having tonight I am going to be having some I.W. Harper. Come on. Whoa. Clear it out. Clear. Show the thing. Label. Come on. There There you go. Yeah. (laughs) And it is aged in Cabernet uh, Sauvignon barrels. Dude. Yeah. I.W. Harper. A lot of people don't know this. Um, I know this. It is... America's first Jewish uh, distillery. It's uh, his last name is not Harper. He 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 changed uh, or he took on not even took on he branded his bourbon Harper uh, because it was a more acceptable and uh, uh, I guess marketable name. Uh, but uh, the I W stands for Isaac Wolf. His last name is Bernheim. Hmm. Yep. Or was Bernheim. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I'll be trying today. And I'm, I'm actually super stoked about it. It I'm smells jealous. lovely. I'm jealous. I've always wanted to try it. I've never, uh, haven't even found it before. Well, I don't know how to follow that act up. So, uh, <laughs> I am, uh, I'm doing some more of the Dalwini today. Ooh. And I may switch over to the gold label because I'm, I'm actually almost out of the gold label. You know what? I'm doing the gold label. I changed my mind. Last second. We're doing uh, some of this 18-year Johnny Walker gold label. This is one of my absolute favorite 
scotches. Um, it's just so good. I don't care what anybody says. I, it's better than the blue label. Fight me. <laughs> I, I didn't like the blue label as much as I like this. It's just a different taste. I don't care what it, what, it, what the price is. <laughs> All right, so man, you can definitely taste the Cabernet, uh, the Cabernet finish on that. <laughs> That's super cool, man. I mm. yeah, I'll, so I'll, uh, I'll see you. I'll see you. I work tomorrow, and I have guests coming over. Uh, I was gonna say it's a fresh bottle, so I will save you some. <laughs> see you sometime after the weekend so <laughs> or whatever i'll just come surprise you and raid your uh, cabinet of liquors yeah uh, like a good irishman um anyway so conversion so uh i'm gonna give i guess a, a brief introduction on kind of how we plan to approach this particular topic so the question has been asked to us a few times should one convert to judaism um, and this question has been asked in multiple different ways. Sometimes the question is, should we get circumcised? Um, and sometimes they mean to say the same thing. And we're going to go over historically how that was an interchangeable term. Um, in fact, circumcision was almost invariably used, uh, almost a hundred percent to refer to the conversion process, but yes. Um, but yeah, so what what should we what what should be done should we is that something we should still be doing um uh, most of you know that on this channel we uh affirm torah and so what, what is uh how, how does how, do, how does one approach this topic this very rather sensitive topic <laughs> I say it's a rather common one specifically because so so you know the torah does say um to to be circumcised Right, but it's speaking about the the physical removal of the foreskin there, um, and it is presumed by many that that's what Paul is talking about when he speaks of circumcision, um, and so because of what Paul says about it, uh, there there's confusion, oftentimes, and so we do get that question a lot, like like because a lot of a lot of Christian men come to Torah. Um, having not been circumcised because it's just not something that their family did or it's something that their family chose not to do uh, when they were born. Um, it, it's a rather common medical practice in America today. Uh, really only, you know, extremely Catholic nations don't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are still some families in America uh, that, that choose not to do that. And so we get that a lot, you know, uh, People who they they find us, they start following us. They've been walking in Torah for a little bit, and and uh, we get that question a lot from the men. Hey, should should I get <laughs> circumcised? Yeah, and it, it's uh. So we're gonna we're gonna try and tackle this topic, but largely tonight we're actually gonna focus on this interchangeability uh, with the conversion process because uh, that if we answer this question in this way, it will clear a lot of air essentially that's that's the goal tonight so right um and also uh this is essentially going to serve as a really good i guess introduction to the book of galatians um because that a lot of this comes from uh believe it or not the the book of galatians there's also a verse in corinthians uh where he says 
uh, I think it's first Corinthians, you know, neither circumcision or uncircumcision matters, but keeping God's commands matter. Um, but uh, once once we clear the air here and, and, and provide a, a solid background of what's going on, um, once you go back and reread some of these things are going to make sense. The, the puzzle pieces are going to fall into place. So we're going to give you all of that information. We're going to give you all the presuppositions up front, everything that you need to know about what's going on um, and the rhetoric that's involved uh, going into particularly the book of Galatians, but also this, this, uh, issue shows up in numerous times at different, uh, congregations as well. So, uh, that being said, I think it's time that we just jump right into it. So, uh, since we're going to be pulled primarily from Galatians, what is the background to the letter of Galatians? Um, now I've, uh, I've got a couple of different like sources here that I'm kind of pulling from. Um, a couple of different really good books. One of them being uh, The Letter Writer by Tim Hegg. We got Pamela Eisenbaum's Paul Was Not a Christian. Uh, this particular book I got in hand right now is D. Thomas Lancaster's. Uh, it's kind of like a commentary. It's not really a commentary, though. On Galatians, it's more like sermons, a collection of sermons. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but uh, so what's what's going on in the background here? And I guess I'll, I'll lead us in. Christianity. What's the best way to put this? We, you don't really have to kind of convert right into Christianity per se, as in like, there's no ritual for this to happen. Not, there is within like Catholicism a little bit, but even then you can kind of just start showing up. Right. And you're expected a baptism, but there's, there's not like this rigorous conversion process that uh you know is is something that exists within judaism so something that we have to get back uh get on on the table here is that christianity is not yet an option there's not this we can just kind of integrate into a christian faith and then like think about baptism later on and and the conversion process is just kind of this thing that just kind of happens um what is it uh so yeah, so Brad, what are our options in early in the early days of Christianity? Ooh. You know, our, we have three options essentially. <laughs> what are, what are what are your options in this background? <laughs> um, well, in the early days of Christianity, what? Okay, so what are, what are you referring to there? <laughs> oh, no, what, not the early days. All right, so the Galatia, uh, the, the letter to Galatians is one of the earliest letters written by Paul. It's probably the first one or in the earliest, right? So in his day, and again, at this point in history, Christianity does not exist as a separate thing yet. Um, it doesn't really become a separate thing until even uh, going into the second century. So your options are basically two options. And within one of those two options, you have kind of three subcategories, but your two options are... Either convert to Judaism... <laughs> Or don't. <laughs> or, or, or don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, you know, yeah, For in, in this age, if you wanted to find yourself attached to the family of God's people, right? If you wanted to find yourself in covenant with God, um, then you you would have to convert Judaism, right? Because that, that was the religion of God's people. That was the way of God's people, right? That, that was the covenant. And so you had to join yourself to that covenant. You you had to become 
uh, a member who was part of that covenant. Um, if you chose not to, you could be what was called a, you know, a devout Gentile, right? Um, and this was somebody like we see in the case of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, uh, who, you know, likely attended the synagogue. Uh, they observed the Torah as much as they were able, given their station. Um, and, and as we see in, in the case of Cornelius, he even engaged in the daily prayers, uh, mm -hmm. was constantly giving uh, charity to the local synagogue and the local Jewish community. Um, and in the case of Cornelius in particular, it's likely the only reason he hadn't converted is because of his status as a military officer. Mm -hmm. um, there's no reason for us to speculate anything other than that. Um, he clearly wanted to be a part of the, the Jewish community. And so he did as much as he could in that endeavor. Um, pri and this is prior to his knowledge of of Yeshua at all, right? He this yeah. was this was before his knowledge of of Jesus and everything that uh, Christianity eventually became built on. So clearly, what he wanted was to be a part of the people of God, and he, he the only thing that would have been holding him back would have been his military service. Um, so you know, those were really those those are your your three options, I guess. You could be a pagan, you could be a devout Gentile, or you could convert to Judaism. Yeah, so, and that's the important bit here we want to we stress is that Christianity as a separate thing apart from Judaism doesn't exist yet. So there's, this is not a letter to Christians as we understand the term. The word Christian is a loaded term today. Um, that's, that's not really what's happening here. There are a number of believers in the synagogue, the congregation, the ecclesia of uh, in the Galatian area. And there is a bit of tension, right? So the, the problem that we're going to run into, and this is going to be a big point uh, for when we get to our incentives, but everyone's attending the synagogue. Everyone's praying at the same time together. Um, they're, they're in communion with one another. They're constantly hanging out with, the, with each other. And, um, and, and these are your options, right? There's either this or you go back to being the pagan lifestyle. This is very much a Jewish faith. This is, the, the idea of a Messiah is a Jewish concept. Um, and the only people currently who are able to teach this concept um, and, and sort of live in this lifestyle is within the synagogues, the congregations at the synagogues. Um, so this, basically they're practicing Judaism. They believe right. in a Jewish faith and they believe in a very, very Jewish concept. The issue is, and I think we covered this in our introduction, um, is that there are, they're not, there's, there's, there's all these, you know, Gentiles who, uh, believe and have come to the faith and have started practicing and showing up to synagogue and everything. Um, but they're not Jews and that's going to create a little bit of political struggle here. Um, particularly in Galatians, they're referred to as like the influencers. <laughs> we actually have no reason to believe that these influencers are an outside force. They seem to be an inside, like an, it's sort of interior problem uh, in the community to Galatians particularly. That is to say, these are members of the community who are kind of peer pressuring Gentiles into what is going to be the issue of conversion. <laughs> right. 
So why would one sort of feel the need to convert? Well, one, you already kind of said it. There's only one, there's really only one religion, right? To choose from. Um, beyond that, you have um, paganism and that's kind of it. And even the God-fearing Gentiles, right? And they, and they were usually called God-fearers. So you have your three types of congregants, um, your brothers, those are fellow Jews. Sons of Abraham, that's, that's a term for proselyte. And that's going to be an important little piece of information there towards the end of uh, the book. And then you have your God-fearers. These are your not yet converts. Now, it, it was understood that they would eventually convert, but they have right. not gotten that far yet. The conversion process takes years sometimes. Uh, it takes a long time. It's a lot of work. And so those are your three classes. You have your not yet conversion converts, which they plan to, right? That's the intention. The ones who have converted, your sons of Abraham, B'nai Abraham, and then your fellow brothers. Those are those are natural born Jews. <clears throat> That's going to be an important detail later on. I was going to say this is uh, by this time, <clears throat> because, and we probably should dedicate an entire episode to just the concept of a ger toshav. Uh, but I don't think that that was a commonplace concept at this time. Anyway, I think by this time it had actually been a little bit lost. It's not that it was lost. It, it gets lost at the destruction of the second temple. <laughs> it's in the process of being lost. Um, but it was primarily a practice that was kept in the land. Right. It wasn't really a, a diaspora synagogue practice, uh, primarily because the, the idea of the Garatoshav, which means a, a stranger who sojourns, by the way, uh, for our listeners, was that they basically keep all the laws of the Torah um, and they live in the land. So they literally are a stranger who sojourns. And, uh, and again, that was sort of this idea that they planned to make a full conversion. They just haven't made it that far yet. Um, and so it was like this sort of, position where you've declared i believe in the one true god the god of israel the god of abraham isaac and jacob and i and i believe in his torah and i want to live by that standards and then it takes a while for the conversion to happen from the moment you make the declaration you're sort of a ger toshav and then you eventually uh make it to full convert so even then the idea was that you would eventually convert so this, and this is everyone knows this that's part of the problem that paul is fighting against in galatians is this is the social norm um and so, you know, there's plenty of good reason why somebody would want to convert. And right. we've, we've got a whole list. <laughs> uh, yeah. First and foremost, you, you've already brought this point up. In fact, if you want to, if you want to hit it again, I don't know if you have your notes with you. Uh, I do, but I've also been looking into other, I've been doing a little bit of back research since we, uh, we got a late start in our, uh, huddled prior to <laughs> you're good you already brought up Cornelius protect so the Roman legal system is sort of the first incentive to convert um, so if you are a Roman citizen and you are Judaism is a protected sort of status within uh, the Roman legal system you yeah. are not required to engage in paganism uh, and it's primarily because the, 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 the body of Judaism as a whole decided instead that a, um, a payment was, uh, was good in its place. So they wouldn't have to commit any idolatrous acts. So Judaism is sort of a protected religion, right? In Roman society yep. in that they get special privilege. Everyone else has to continue committing paganism. They do not. Um, I was going to say, yeah, it, it, 
it was kind of a compromise made when Rome took over. Uh, because, I mean, uh, an all-out takeover of Israel um, and uh, an attempt at the destruction of the religion, I mean, Rome had learned from the mistakes of Greece uh, because clearly that did not go too well in the Maccabean period. Hmm. Um, so it, for political reasons, it was better just to let that sleeping dog lie uh, and make that compromise. Whereas for the rest of the empire, if you were not uh, worshiping the the sanctioned gods of Rome, um, then this was a crime called uh, atheism. Actually, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be charged as an atheist. Yep, yeah, because yeah. I mean, you know, because they didn't acknowledge any other gods other than their own, and 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 so if you're not worshiping their god, then you're worshiping a, a not god. You know, so atheism. And um, I, ca I cannot remember if we touched this in our introduction episode, but we're going to go over it today here, too. <laughs> At least a little bit. Um, so you'd have a you'd have you'd, you'd be integrated, right? So everything's good. Um, full integration with synagogue members. So as I said, I think we went over this before, but if you're a non-Jew, you are essentially by Jewish law not clean. Um, Acts and, 10. Uh, yeah, Acts chapter 10, Peter affirms this, uh, that th this is the accepted tradition of his day. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, you can you can be a God-fearer all you want. You can show up as a Gertrushav or, or a God-fearer uh, if you're in the diaspora. Uh, but at the end of the day, when it comes to eating meals, right, you cannot so much as touch the meat because you will render the meat unclean. Because you can't, you can't do that. Uh, and they have a sort of a obsession with ritual purity at this particular day and age. So there's there's that. Uh, Jewish Jewish people can't come to your house. They can't come and visit with you. Um, like like with Peter, what, what Peter said. And so really what what ends up happening like politically from the synagogue point of view is that you kind of create these knit these two pockets of Jew and Gentile pockets cuz the Gentiles can hang out with each other no problem they can go to each other's houses they can eat each other's food and then in the in the in the Jewish community again they hang out each, uh, with each other they've they grew up this way so they're more integrated uh, and and more uh, intimately familiar with each other's traditions uh, that's something that, you know, if you're a brand new Gentile, right, you, there are certain things like you probably don't know the, the, all the table music for this, uh, for the Sabbath anyway, you know, right. so there's just these like little things. So it becomes kind of clicky. Um, you can eat each other's food. You can go to each other's houses. You can sort of trust that everything's good there. And that creates these two pockets. And that's, that's going to be a problem. That's a, that's a pretty solid division. Um, even if you do convert right and you're a little bit more accepted into if you're brand new there's kind of like you want to go back to hanging out with your old friends but you can't now you convert it so you have these essentially these two major divisions within the synagogue well, so there's there's a there's the idea of a sense of community you know mm. um and and you know so you use you use the words you know it's a little clicky in that aspect um, and, and that's true. 
Uh, but that's because, you know, the biblical faith is is one that is intended to be communal. You know, um, the, this wasn't necessarily meant to be on an individual basis. It, it, it is an individual basis in as much as you're an individual and, uh, you know, your your sins are your own. Your obedience is your own, you know, there. But there there was intention for this to be practiced within a community. Um, it's very difficult uh, to walk out Torah without a community to rely on in some sense. You know, if you don't at least have, you know, just a handful of other families in the area that you can you can rely on for certain uh, certain practices, you know, especially especially for prayer. Right. A minion is an absolute necessity. Um, yeah. So without at least 10 other men who can be in a minion th this is a difficulty um so yeah this this is it's it's not something that was ever intended uh to be practiced in isolation in exile right that's that's yeah. a matter of fact exile was the punishment uh for a lot of things you know is that you had to you were you were annexed from the community you were no longer part of the community you know um so c community is a big part of of the Torah and and the biblical faith, you know, it's a big part of Judaism. And so, yeah, we're just adding more emphasis to this idea that <clears throat> the longer you stay outside of this community, the, the the worse it's going to sort of be for you. Like maybe at first you're like, oh, whatever, I'm new here anyway. I'm just gonna hang out with my Gentile friends. But as you grow more and more closer to your Jewish counterpart, um, but there's still that very clear division there the temptation is going to be ever more present right and the community and, and you brought up the minion right a, a group of at least 10 men and that's a commandment the, the idea that on certain holidays especially on sabbath um you have to meet in an assembly and a, and a minion of 10 is the definition of assembly so that's why it's so important to have 10 10 is uh because that is a commandment it's a fulfillment of a mitzvah it's there's one of my favorite one of my favorite aspects about the minion right is when Abraham is is bargaining uh, with Hashem over uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and and really uh, three other kingdoms also. It is technically it, it was five kingdoms total. Um, and so the, the 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 bargaining starts at what? Starts at at fifty, right? Yeah. Well, if there's five kingdoms, then fifty is a minion per kingdom. Um, and, and then it drops down to, okay, well, if they're, if they're just one man shy in each kingdom, right? If, 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 if there's just nine in each kingdom, but like, you know, at this point, collectively, there's still a minion between them. And, and that actually carries through. When does it stop? It stop it stops at, at, at two, right? Because if there's two righteous men in every kingdom out of these five kingdoms, then there's still a minion between all five. And so what what we kind of see is like Abraham kind of asking, look, will will you spare the kingdom if there's at least a standing minion between them? <laughs> it's an important it's an important concept in Judaism. And um, here's the thing: if you're not Jewish, you can't be counted in the minion in in Jewish law. So if uh, let's say there's exactly ten Jewish men in the, in a particular community, and there's a hundred gentile god-fearing torah observant gentiles torah, torah observant as far as they're allowed to be 
um, non-idolaters and all that. The whole congregation shows up and they're short one legitimately Jewish man. It's not a minion, at least in, according to Jewish law. Um, you know, and you can, as you, in your modern seat, you can sit there and sort of disagree with the whole thing and, and bah, you know, that shouldn't be the way. It still counts as a congregation, bah, whatever. Um, but understand, this is a very deeply held cultural belief. Um, and so, you know, we have the practicality of the 2020 sort of hindsight, right? We can look back and think what we want, but uh, this is very, very deeply rooted cultural aspects that's being well, fought against was, here. It was so important to them. Um, matter of fact, yeah, no, Seamus, tell us how important it was to them that if they were, if, if they were, if they were one man shy, but uh, one had a slave that was present. <laughs> yeah, this is actually, um, this is a story because, um, a slave. So when you, when you take on a, when you take on a slave in Hebrew culture, um, and this is ancient, ancient, they, this was not a, this is not a practice still by the second temple period. Um, but the the law was you had to take him as a as a servant, you had to circumcise him, and and do a mikvah. But he wasn't a full convert yet because he was still your servant, right? But the minute he goes free, after the uh, either the jubilee period or the uh, the smitzah year, whichever came first, um, he would be a full fledged member of the community. He'd be a full Jew um, upon upon his freedom because he's already circumcised, he's already mikvah baptism. So he meets, he meets all the things. He just, he, he belongs to another person. So since he's not his own person, he's not an independent soul. He's not, uh, so he can't be counted in a minion. But if there are nine people present and uh, one of the servants happens to be nearby, there's this story of a uh, Jewish man and they were like panicking because there's, you know, Sabbath was about to begin. There was no, there's not enough people for a minion. Uh, and again, this, this is so deeply, deeply ingrained in, in, in the Jewish uh, culture. If you can't get a minion together, this is a failure on your part. As a, as a people, as a rabbi, especially of the community, you are a failure if you can't get 10 people together for prayer. Um, and so they start to kind of panic and they're like, what are we going to do? And then the guy's like, you, my servant, you're free. You're free right now. All right, now we have a minion. Mazel tov. And so, <laughs> and so they began the, the Sabbath service. Uh, but it's like, that's how, you know, it, people are willing to totally give up these massive financial um you know, things in order to make this little, this little thing happen. Um, and of course that also illustrates that slavery is not the same as it used to, you know, what we think of like chattel right. slavery. That wasn't the case in Judaism, uh, Judaism, you buy yourself a slave, you bought yourself a master. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. we have separate episode dealing with that, but that's that isn't, yeah, the, the minion is a, such an important piece. And so long as you are not a circumcised Jewish convert or a Jewish man, um, you cannot be counted in the minion. Um, so that that's that's kind of another incentive, right? You know, that's another reason why you would feel the pressure uh, to go ahead and just convert so that you could be counted in the community. So when you show up to synagogue and they start counting to make sure they have a full minion, they can point the finger at you and, and you're you're one of them, right? So it's a big uh, it's a big thing. And th this kind of leads into the next point, actually, which is the larger community acceptance, right? Cool. So, <laughs> right, Seamus, why don't you keep going on about that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 um, so like, w when it comes to like the larger Jewish community, 
um, as a full convert, you you have full Jewish status, and th- this is throughout the, the the diaspora, the particular community in Israel. Like there's sort of this larger acceptance um, within the synagogue lifestyle uh, in, in the bigger picture of things, which is and you know, you could marry another Jew. Oh, that's another that's I another mean, big point. That's a that that that's a big thing, especially actually for so for you know for for a male convert that that's a big thing because since since jewish identity travels through the mother right at this point you're making more jews right <laughs> <laughs> so so you know there's 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 the continuance of the community that's actually tied directly to this right so you you not only you not only add to the community in in as much as you join the community um, but you're you're also helping it grow through marriage and procreation in this aspect. Good question. Yeah. Why don't you handle that one for us there, guy? <laughs> so we have been taught commonly by the modern church that, um, you know, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm I'm among them. Right. Um, and it's we get this idea that if if just two or three of us are together in prayer or reading the Bible or or, or singing praises or what have you. Um, then, then God is here among us. And it's like, well, I mean, the, the idea of omnipresence already makes this a reality regardless. Uh, but the idea of two or three is directly tied to the Torah concept of two or three witnesses, um, or, or even more specifically two or three judges presiding over a matter of judgment, right? Mm -hmm. That's what's being referenced here is that if if particularly in a matter of judgment um and there's there's unanimous agreement between the three of them um that's that's kind of the 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 final seal that's the stamp of approval there that okay this is this is something we can all three agree on is it would have been within the master's will yeah and uh, that verse is actually pulled right after the um uh, I give you the power to bind and to loose. That's halakhic language. That's language of legal, uh, like Torah legal decisions, uh, and like how you would carry out Torah commandments. So it's very much legal speak. So when he says there that we're two or three are gathered in my name, I am amongst you. Um, he's, he's speaking from a legal standpoint, right? That he's giving them the power to bind and to loose. Again, that's legal speak for to to write halakhic uh, rulings. Um, and so he's saying that I'm giving you guys this this power, and whatever you guys decide, bind or loose, which usually means strict or or lenient, right? In certain decisions, he's saying I'm I'm with you. Once you make this decision, I will back you. Um, a, a good you know, like a good leader will, will uh, you know, uh, kind of say the same thing, right? Like you know. I support whatever decision you make, and whether you, you screw up or you absolutely nail it, I will back you. Uh, I used to have a staff sergeant that would say that to me all the time. So I would run ideas by him, and he's like, listen, you do whatever you want to do, um, and whether you screw it up or you absolutely nail it, I, I will be right behind you. I will back you. I will bat for you, um, and we'll go down together because I trust your judgment. I trust that you know what you're doing, um, and so even if you do fail, it's it's probably not going to be like some not, I will probably wouldn't have done any better kind of thing so he's very much like putting his neck out there that's kind of the idea here is he's saying you know whatever you guys decide halakhically I'm going to be there 
and I'm going to back that. Um, so that's kind of uh, what what uh, that particular verse is. But that's a good question, right? Because we're talking about the minions, so that that's a good question. It's a very good question. Right. Absolutely. So this kind of uh, it's not a super good segue, but we'll, we'll we'll use it. We'll segue into the problems that Paul is now dealing with in his letter. Ah, yeah. You know, that's that's actually, uh, I think we had a question that, that acts as a good segue into that. Which is, can you explain Galatians 2, 15 through 21? Yeah, I got it pulled up. Um, 15 through 21? I'll just read it. Mm-hmm. And I actually good. want to address before before we get to that. I do want to address another comment here. I think non-Jewish spouses should convert uh, for the other spouse, in my opinion. So that's not a valid conversion. If that's the reason, if if the, if the sole the reason that you're yeah. converting is 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 for love of the heart, uh, we'll call it. Uh, that that is not a valid conversion, and we wouldn't consider it a valid conversion, you know, for Christianity either. And oftentimes that happens, you know, one 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 spouse will convert to Christianity uh, for the sake of the their Christian spouse, and and you know sometimes that works out, uh, a lot of times it doesn't, and that's because initially it's not really genuine, um, and Judaism is no different in that aspect, like that that. The idea, and this is a good segue into what Paul is dealing with, right? It, even in Judaism, it's a matter of faith. <laughs> yeah, no, it uh, that it, I was going to say, orthodoxy heavily discourages conversion for the sake of a marriage. Uh, you should you should very much be converting because you want to, right, and, and not because you you're trying to get it in with this girl or boy or what have you. It's uh, it's not really considered legitimate. Um, it depends on who you ask. Obviously, if you know, if you are also a, a devoted follower and you happen to meet a nice Jewish girl, and so you want to convert so that you can get married, that's kind of a different. It's a little, you know, situation dictates. But if that's your only reason, it's not a legitimate. Um, it's not considered legitimate in Orthodox circles. But anyway, um, and actually, so just to clarify, it if you do the conversion like orthodoxally. It's considered a legitimate conversion, as in you are now a full-blown Jew, but your your conversion, right, that your sort of reason for doing it is is illegitimate. Um, but you are now bound by the Jewish laws, right? So it's kind of a detriment to yourself because you, you know you're likely not to continue practicing or or what have you. So it's makes makes it worse for you. Uh, but anyway, Galatians uh, two. Verses 15 all the way to 21. This is the Tree of Life version. We are Jews by birth and not sinners from among the Gentiles. That's a very interesting phrase, by the way. I've got some right. comment on that. But anyway, yet we know that a person is set right not by deeds based on Torah, but rather through putting trust in Messiah Yeshua. So even we have put our trust in Messiah Yeshua in order that we might be set right based on trust in Messiah and not by deeds based on Torah, because no human will be justified, excuse me, by deeds on Torah. <clears throat> but if, while seeking to be justified in Messiah, we ourselves also were found to be sinners, is Messiah then an agent of sin? Chas may it never be. 
for if I rebuild the very things I tore down, I prove myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Messiah. And it is no longer I who live, but Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by trusting in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through Torah, then the Messiah died for nothing. Okay. So it's interesting, right? Because in that, it, it sounds like what Paul is saying is that the byproduct of faith is that the person that he was, right, is no longer. Um, and he's now a, a, a new being, a new creation, Right, a new person as a result of faith. Is that is that kind of is that kind of how that reads to you? Uh, sort of like um, a, a rebirth. You you know, almost almost like a conversion. Almost almost like a conversion. So the background we're trying to give here is that the entire book of Galatians is concerned with one topic, and that's conversion. That's why we're given all this this detail about like why one would want to convert and everything, because that's the question, right? These Gentiles are feeling the pressure, and these influencers are like, dude, you're already you're already there, right? You're already Torah observant. You're keeping kosher. You're here on the Sabbath. Um, why don't you just go ahead, man? Make the leap. Do it. Uh, it'll be easier. You'll be, you'll be protected by Roman law. You'll be counted in a minion. You know, like it's kind of this. That's the influence that they're that they likely have. <laughs> Um, and so, and, and one thing, you know, people is righteousness is not based on uh, deeds of the Torah for no one will be justified. Uh, ju justified is actually, it's not righteousness it's justified. There's a difference. Um, no one will be justified by the deeds of the Torah. Yeah, that's, that's true. You know, even, even Jews would, wouldn't argue that point. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, everyone sins at some point in their life <laughs> and, um, yeah, you don't, you don't do Torah to seek justification. For yourself right. you actually get justification in one of two ways in the jewish way that's the merit of the fathers you're basically you know you're you're justified because god loves you right that's grace believe it or not judaism teaches grace but well, it's, it's funny because paul seems to also mention something uh very similar to the merit of the fathers in in romans 4. yeah right you got that pulled um, up Yes, Romans 4, starting in verse 9, uh, I believe this is the ESV. <clears throat> is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was, uh, it was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised. Which is actually... <laughs> it's a very uh, merit of the father's statement. Yeah, and that's actually why uh, proselytes back in this time get called. When they convert, they, they take on the new name Ben Avraham, son of Abraham. Because you believed before you were circumcised. Like your your process of belief began way before the process of conversion began. Uh, and now you're a, con you're a convert and you need a Jewish name. And 
Abraham was promised a nation to be a father of many nations. So if you're from among the nations, you would be a son of Abraham. That would make Abraham your father because he's the father of the uncircumcised who believe. So do you see the process here? Do you see where this is making sense? <laughs> you look like you had something to say. Yeah, it, well, it's funny. It reminds me of a conversation that I that I had um, with a, a dear friend uh, who, you know, brought on a good puzzling question regarding conversion, right? Because, you know, uh, there are some schools of thought that take the extremity of conversion to the point where, like, you know, you can't really hug your mother anymore after you convert because she's no longer your mother because you're not that person anymore, right? You're, you're completely different. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, you know, one thing he pointed out is that the, you're you're you are you know a, a different person, but but you're not. Like your genetics are still the same genetics at the end of the day, um, you know. And so the question of birthdays comes up, and do you you know is your birthday still the same at that point because you, you're <laughs> still the same age? Um, and this kind of segued the conversation yeah, into into him him explaining that like. The, the, the conversion really is solely for the body. It's it's not for the soul because the idea here is that the the neshama was already present at this point, right? You the, we're, we're speaking about a Gentile who already had a, a Jewish soul, according to Jewish philosophy. It's already present. It's always been there. It like has always been a part of them. Uh, their body just not has not undergone uh, the 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 process of catching up with the soul in that aspect yeah. um so yeah that just it reminded me of that conversation and <laughs> it's it's a beautiful concept um because i mean if, if you think about that what really what are the possibilities how many how many how many uh nishmat right <laughs> are out there <laughs> <laughs> uh having having yet to undergo conversion and this is actually this is a question i would love to discuss with uh with he and jewability and a few a few of our other jewish yeah. friends right definitely do that actually because uh, we plan to have a noahide episode with them anyway so you know that comes into question uh which is a different episode we'll go over with uh paul in better call paul but uh so what is real quick just before we move on um, if I rebuild the very things I tore down, I prove myself, I prove myself a, a lawbreaker. Um, you know, that, that, that is a, a weird statement. First of all, even if you are a nomian, right, you're, you're against the, the Torah observance, proving yourself a lawbreaker, right? So we still upholding the standard is sort of what it seems. The rebuilding of what he's tearing down is this idea that you can, you can rely solely on your status as a Jew for salvation, which Again, uh, part of what we're what we're dealing with here is that the people, and this will seg segue back right into where we were going with this. A lot of people believe that they could that the only way for them to be saved is to do the full conversion process. So that's part of what Paul is combating here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, let's see here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. It's this idea that uh, you cannot be saved. You cannot have a place in the world to come until you do the conversion process. That's a problem. Um, Paul doesn't believe this. Paul believes that there's obviously a place in the world to come even for Gentiles, whether they convert or don't. So Paul is uh, trying to not only combat um, 
this this us versus them mentality right that gentiles should feel way more included than they are these cliques shouldn't exist he's trying to stop this this massive separation right the tearing down of the wall so to speak to, to kind of reintegrate what you got i was i was gonna say the part of the most like the, the most confusing aspect about this conversation uh particularly with respect to galatians and and what we just read from galatians that i think will bring some clarity and this is why this is why i kind of outlined that like what we just read from galatians it, it seems like Paul is already describing the results of a conversion, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the reason being, right, the, the, the question's a little misleading. The question, okay, should you or should you not convert? That's actually not the problem that Paul is dealing with. The problem Paul is dealing with is what qualifies as conversion? Yes. It's not whether or not you should. It's a foregone conclusion for Paul. For Paul, if you have faith and have undergone a mikvah this is a conversion right that's that's the whole point of what he's explaining is that that he th this is his model of what he believes qualifies as a conversion um what he is combating is an alternative version of what conversion was yes and and that you know that that that's a dispute that was uh, ongoing ongoing during this time. time and just in its context right the earlier in chapter two we're talking about peter hanging out with a bunch of other gentiles and then the influencers show up and he separates himself from the gentiles again so he goes that for at a, basically what he's saying is peter and gentiles and, and they were all like hanging out together and all things were cool they were rubbing elbows eating food together and then they show up from these uh, other people show up from james and then they're like oh none of that and and that and, and Paul's like, well, uh, hold on. <laughs> and so it, it's in light of that conversation that he just got done talking about. Is like we need to consider them as members of the community, and if we keep pressuring them that they have to convert in order to be full fledged members, then you're a hypocrite. Because back in Acts chapter ten, you just told us that these Gentiles received salvation the same way we did, and they hadn't gone circumcision yet. So what are you? What, what's your problem, my guy? <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you what it's like. Uh, and this will bring it in, in, in not to get political, but this will bring it to a level that's very relatable for everybody in America. Um, and as you, you, you and I can both speak to this since we're both first generation Americans. Um, our fathers had to go through a pretty rigorous process uh, to become Americans when they did. Um, my father, you know, especially... It, becoming an american citizen from cuba during the cold war right yeah this was not easy <laughs> yeah you had i think you had a heart of the knees my dad at least joined the military and so he like got all of his classes and you know fire hose version through the military so yep. but you know but so so they had to they had to learn american history uh to a degree that the average graduating high schooler today could not compete with them uh in in knowledge of american history um and uh, you know i had to learn english uh there there were there were you know many hoops to go through um so the prospect of changing the process to become an american citizen to simply recite the american's creed and sign your name on this sheet of paper now you're an american right that 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 
to somebody who has gone through that rigorous process seems like it's cheating the system, yeah. right? Because they had to go through so much more <laughs> just to just to have the same status. And this person's getting let in real easy, um, and that's kind of the struggle that we're witnessing here at this point. You've got you've got some people who have converted to Judaism. They've had to undergo this rigorous process, and here's Paul saying, "Hey, look, like." Faith, do that. <laughs> right, right, right. The faith of Abraham um, and, you know, uh, undergo a mikvah that you're there. <laughs> right. It's it it's it's it seems unfair. Yeah. The, wor- the workers who were there all day got paid the same amount as the workers who had just showed up. And they're a little mad about that. Ooh, nice way to tie in that pair. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. I do try. No, <laughs> that's what it is. So there's, there's a lot of peer pressure. There's a lot of politicking happening here. Um, and, and again, there's, there's also this, do I need to convert right in order to get in there? There might even be some of that being taught in some of the circles, right. like, well, it's cool. You know, you're like in the community, whatever, but you don't have a place in the world to come because only all of Israel has a place in the world to come. Um, and that's actually uh, directly out of uh, Mishnaic interpretation of Isaiah. So, you know, it's very much there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of pressure here to convert. the The problem is people are wanting to convert for the wrong reasons, and uh, I think there's even a phrase in here. Um, let me see. So here's here's a. Um, this 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 common verse is, is almost always taken out of context. Actually, it's I've actually never heard a Christian put this in its correct context yet. It's always thrown at me completely out. But uh, three twenty eight. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave <laughs> nor free, neither male nor female. You are all one in Messiah, and if you belong to Messiah, then you are Abraham's sons, heirs according to the promise. Okay, excuse me, hold on, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that the guy who went through a three, it took him three years to convert, just so he could wear the name Ben Avraham at the end of his name and be a new person. And then this guy shows up and and we're like, hey, you need to convert like we did. And this other rabbi, Paul, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's already Ben Avraham. What what gives? That that last phrase of chapter three is really really more powerful, right? And this is not this is not there's neither Jew nor Greek, right? Oh, there's there's only Greeks now. That's usually how it's read. Or usually people read it like there's neither Jew nor Christian. There's only Christianity. No, in fact, we could say that there's neither Jew nor Greek. You're all considered Jews because um, nobody else divides the world into those two categories except Jews. Um, so this is very much a Jewish saying, and then of course you'd have to con- if, if if that's going to be your logic, then you got to keep going with that, right? Neither neither slave nor free. Okay, cool. So there's no such thing as slaves or free men anymore, um, and then neither male nor female. Now we got to give into 2022's uh, peer pressure <laughs> on this whole idea of like what is a woman, right? So <laughs> yeah, you <have> if <laughs> you're going to use that verse, you got to take you got to keep going with that same logic because it's take all of it. the same sentence. Um, so that's not the, that's not what's being talked about here. It's about the fact that you have Jew and non-Jew and Paul is trying to say, you are considered part of the community. You're as you're a Ben Avraham by your belief, 
Um, and people take problem with people take an issue with that. So there's, there's a lot of politics there. Paul is actively fighting this. So we're running low on time, uh, and we're actually right at the end of our notes anyway. <laughs> so the question: Should we convert? Should we convert to Judaism? What do you think? Give me your answer. <laughs> so. <clears throat> For me personally, um, no, and I've actually I've actually had conversations um, with uh, more than one Orthodox Jew uh, about this, um, and you know, on one side, uh, it, it one one reason being, right? My understanding is that Orthodox Judaism would require me uh, to uh, renounce. Right, uh, my my belief in Yeshua as Messiah, um, while interestingly, at least on an individual basis, I've had other Orthodox Jews say that look, as long as you're not Trinitarian, right, it's it wouldn't make you any different from the Chabadniks who think that uh, the Lubavitcher Reb uh, is Messiah, and so they wouldn't necessarily see a problem with it in that aspect. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the the question of the process then uh, would be an issue. But uh, very in particular is uh, one one conversation that I had in particular. Um, I was actually told uh, that I shouldn't, and this was not. He clarified, "This is this is not me doing the usual three times denial, you know, rabbi thing. I'm 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 not doing that." I, he said, "I genuinely don't think that you should, uh, because you would lose your voice, right? Um, the fact that I have not converted to Judaism, right, makes makes me in 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 a very literal sense that way not a Jew, um, and so." Uh, that being the case is I actually still have a voice to speak to Christianity, right? Um, I have a voice that they will maybe reluctantly, uh, maybe only in small pockets, uh, but I do have a voice that they will listen to. Um, whereas that, at least in his estimation, that would be lost if I were to convert to, to, to Judaism. Um, it, it would be nice for the sense of community, um, and I have legitimately considered it on the basis of that, uh, but ultimately for, for a matter of, you know, a place in the world to come, no, no, I, I, I do agree with Paul on this for a place in the world to come. Um, I, I don't think it's necessary and I know Orthodox Jews who would say the same, um, that, you know, Olam, Olam Haba is, is not only for you know, the Jews, that it's for, that it's for all, all mankind. It's a good answer. <clears throat> now, it, it, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't think that for Christianity, it matters so much whether or not you are a, a Jew or a non-Jew uh, from their eyes. I can see why it would definitely matter, I guess, from the, from the Jewish perspective. Uh, but from, I don't think you would necessarily lose your voice. That's my opinion. You know, you, you and I are allowed to have separate opinions, even though we're basically the same person, believe it or not. <laughs> To everyone listening out there um <laughs> but yeah so for me to answer the question so um should should someone convert i think the answer generally is the jewish answer anyway paul's answer for sure is the jewish answer no there's no need you don't need to uh even 
in orthodoxy, it's just, oh, just be a Noahide. You're fine. You don't have to, you know, Jews have a special mission in this world. We have a special purpose. Um, and so, you know, if you're not part of that purpose, it doesn't make you less than me or, or greater than me. Um, you know, th this ancient mindset is actually fairly unique to the time period at which we're speaking about. M modern day orthodoxy does not have a lot of some of the issues that we've covered today. Um, and so th this is one of those things, right, where uh, it's sort of this us versus them mentality. Modern orthodoxy doesn't really have that battle anymore. It, it, it existed back then. It doesn't exist really as much anyway to this day. It, it They're more just seen as different roles in the world. Like a Levi, a Levite, um, is a priest. Whether or not you're born a Jew or a convert, if you're not a Levite, you can never be a priest. And that's not because you're greater or lesser than, it's simply that's not your mission, it's not your purpose. Um, and so the answer more or less is you don't have to. There's, there's no reason to have to. And it's a big responsibility if you do, so it should be very heavily considered if it's going to be considered. But Paul's answer is essentially the Jewish answer. No, there's no need. Uh, and I say the same thing, no, there's, there's no need, um, not necessarily. It, it depends entirely on certain contexts, right? Like we had um, uh, Timothy with Paul. And there are times where it does seem to be something that needs to be done. Um, but uh, especially don't if you're thinking that, if, if your thought process is that you need to do this in order to gain, like getting into the club, you know, to gain elevated status or, or really to sort of earn your salvation that way. Um, that's, that's definitely needed to pull it out of the question. If, if that's your thought process, it should definitely not be, uh, considered for that reason, for those reasons. It's the same sort of reason as like converting to, cause you want to get married, right. And, and you, and you're already not a devout follower. You just, you just want to get married. That's the wrong motivation. It's the wrong reason. Don't do it. Um, but conversion isn't bad. You're right. You can convert, um, if uh, depending on your situation, and as long as you fully understand that it is not a salvific issue, that this doesn't gain you in status in any way, um, and if, if, if anything, what it does is it creates more responsibility for you, uh, it more puts more weight on your shoulders now that you didn't have before. Um, and so, like, like Paul says, you know, if, if you get circumcised, you have to keep the whole Torah. <laughs> Uh, now, you know, the, the Torah, and we've gone, we've gone over this in the, in the introduction. Um, when you say a phrase like that, he's including the oral traditions in that, right? So there's, there's already this idea, like if you're, if you're coming into the community, you need to be on a very basic level Torah observant. Um, but the whole Torah, right? That's including all of the traditions of the elders. Once you convert, you're bound by that too. Uh, whereas before then you were not necessarily bound by halachic uh, synagogue authority because you're not a Jew. So you don't belong under the umbrella of the authority of the Jewish people. Once you convert, you are now totally subject to all of those halakhic rulings. It's as though, you know, if you're not a citizen of the United States, um, then you're not subject to United States law, especially if you're not in the United States, like if you're in a different country. Um, Picture conversion as though you move to the U.S. and you become a citizen. You are now fully obligated to the, the United States legal system in every sense of the word. And that's kind of what's going on here. So 
Um, that's what I would say. Uh, yep. So it's it, it needs to be deeply considered, for sure. Uh, and if you have anything to disagree with or add to that, let me know now. Now's the time to just ask some questions while we wait, though. <laughs> for real, though. Yeah, open up the questions. Let's see. Mm. Somebody asked about um, Matthew 3, 8 through 10. Yeah, 3, 8 through 10. Okay. Let's turn there. I'll read it. I have it pulled up. Therefore, produce fruit worthy of repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that from these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. Already the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down. So in this context, this very context heavy, uh, we have our father Abraham. He means that literally, like via lineage. He's basically saying, this was the this is actually the issue that we brought up before if you think that you need to be a convert in order to achieve salvation that's all the wrong reasons and that's not true um and it, likewise if you being a natural born jew rely solely on your status as a born member of the of uh, of an israelite tribe well that's also not exactly true right so that's what he's saying here right you have something to add to that <laughs> Um, well, yeah, actually, because <clears throat> this is something Paul also addresses, uh, let's see, in Galatians, specifically in the example of, ah, right, Galatians 4, uh, starting in verse 21 and going through verse 31, right? We're, we're getting the comparison between the, the son born to Hagar and the son born to Sarah, right? Mm. The son born yeah. to the slave woman, the son born to the free woman. Um, and so, you know, he, he, Paul says that the son born to the slave woman uh, came about by natural means. But the son born to the free woman, you know, was of the spirit. It was of the will of God. Uh, well, so was, was Isaac a virgin birth? Is that what Paul is saying? Um I don't, I don't think so. I, I think it's pretty well accepted that uh, that Isaac also came about by natural means, um, at least in terms of the biological way that that works. But Sarah was well beyond her years of childbearing. So it is actually still a miracle, still by the will of God. And this is something that carries through, right? This carries over through all of the patriarchs. Um and it's it's fascinating the way that that works right this is this is uh this is it seems right it, it it's and this has been brought to my attention before for a long time it seems like the second born actually has like a a, a ton of precedence you know isaac is is abraham's second born technically like if, we, if we're if we're speaking literally isaac would be his second born um Ishmael would have been his firstborn. Uh, and then to Isaac, Jacob would have been his secondborn, right? Not e Esau would have been his firstborn. But Jacob is the one who gets the precedence here. Why? And the reason is the reason is because um, that that can't be claimed by the father, right? Inasmuch as it is a biological lineage, it's only a biological lineage because of the will of God, right? 
Abraham can take credit for Ishmael. Abraham can look at Ishmael and say, that's mine, right? I did that. Uh, but Abraham could not look at Isaac and say, I did that, right? Because Isaac only happened by the will of God. By the same token, and I've explained this before in other episodes, uh, Isaac could look at Esau and say, that's mine. I did that, right? He could take credit for Esau because if you're a twin, as insensitive as this may sound, uh, if you're if you're the twin, if you're the one who who was born second, you were not planned. <laughs> <laughs> you came about solely as a result of the will of God, right? <laughs> so 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 Isaac could look at Esau and say, "That's mine. I did that. I made that. I he can take credit for that." Isaac could not take credit for Yaakov. Yaakov came about solely as a result of the will of God. So even though it is a biological heritage, it is only so because of the will of God. All right. So uh, and that, now that parable is actually exclusively talking about two different types of Gentiles. I do want to get that out of the way. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one Gentile, son of the slave woman, is the one who converts, right? He achieves it by his own means. The other one relies on on the on the miraculous uh will of god essentially uh and so he doesn't feel the need to convert that's that's sort of the parable well, it's, but, uh, it's, well again the idea there is that one's relying on the biological heritage at that point yes and the other is relying on the fact that the will of god is what made the biological heritage right yes yeah. <laughs> so uh we'll close out with this because this is uh this is the point of the letter um galatians 6 right <laughs> The point, uh, and he, he says this, you know, it's it's verse 11 and 12. Notice with large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Right? So this is important, right? So listen up. Those wanting to look good outwardly are trying to force you to be circumcised only so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Messiah. So, essentially, they're trying to get you to convert so that life is easier for you, right? Or to make them look good. Um, because, uh, you know, if you're a Gentile, and we, we kind of talked about this a little bit, you're, you're, you're subject to Roman authority. If you're not a Jew, you're not under that protection. But you're also not engaging in idolatry anymore. So you're going to get a little bit of blowback for refusing to engage in idolatry. Um, and also living like a Jew, essentially. Um, and if you're not a full convert, then you're not under the protection. So you're going to get persecuted, right, for the cross. That's that's kind of the 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 the, the message here. Um, that yeah, there's that's the point is that people are trying to pressure you, pressure them rather. They are getting pressure from the community, and that's not the way that it should be done. Paul very vehemently disagrees with the the, the idea of pressuring people. Man, I need to fix that squeak. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, I got nothing else. We're a little over time, so I think it's it's about time we roll into the after parties. Absolutely. Um, if, so yeah, we'll do this uh, closing out uh, system here. I got I got some banners ready. <laughs> Where you at? Uh, so. If you had some questions and you didn't get them answered, uh, we can't always get to everything. It depends on whether or not it's relevant to the topic and how far off we'll go with it. Um, you can 
I put it now in the chat. You can always ask us in the Discord. So the link is in the description. Um, if you want to support the channel, we also have our Patreon. Link is in the description. Um, and if you are a uh, Patreon member, you have access to the after part is starting at a dollar. You get to hang out with us, post the show, and, and you can roast us. You can ask us questions. You can sit in awkward silence with us for hours. I guess not hours, for however long you want to. Um, but that's that's our time. You can hang out with us and, and uh, ask us whatever you like. And You know, um, one of these days... One of these days, we're gonna get like some Trinitarian or some like you know Calvinist Christian uh, who's gonna who's gonna think it's worth paying a dollar just to jump in the after parties for a night and and like and and try and go at us. I mean, that's fair. That's that's we allow for that. So it's. Totally I mean, fine. yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm totally cool with it happening. It's just like <laughs> it, just, it just occurred to me. It's like wow, that could totally happen at some point kind of hope it does <laughs> i know right I'm, I'm kind of excited about that <laughs> yeah so um and plus the um the the incentive to join the after part is is uh there are things that we like forgot that we just didn't cover in the episode and we end up talking about it in the after part is so you should definitely think about joining so that you don't miss out on any exclusive patreon content we've also got a bunch of exclusive patreon content um, so yeah, consider becoming a member. we got a lot of big things happening. Oh, and, uh, sorry, I have to stop the music right now, but I got to show this and I, I just don't, I can't, I hate that it stops the music when I got to show it. Some of the names are being cut off. I'll full screen it here actually. Boom. So, uh, a special, special thanks to our Patreon members. Oh, still, still cutting off names. There we go. <laughs> Special thanks to our top tier heretics uh, for supporting the channel. You guys rock. You make the dream happen. And um, this whole episode is brought to you by you. So thank you. Top, the topmost tier being the Tamadim, which is just Hebrew for student um, or, disciple. or disciple, rather. And then, uh, and then our scholars, of course, we very much appreciate every dollar that you guys have given. Um, a lot of you are longtime members, so we're very, very grateful. Uh, okay, I think that's good for outros. What do we got? Yep. Let's say, uh, I don't even know what we're doing next week. Are we, are we continue? What's next week's subject? I actually don't know yet. So stand by. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk in the after part as, yeah, and then, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. But join us, join us definitely next week. Um, we'll, we'll have another awesome topic to talk about and, uh, hopefully get into some some awesome conversation uh as always we hope you've enjoyed this and and hope hopefully we all learned something uh but if not at least we got a couple of laughs and as always l'chaim l'chaim <laughs>